rolling. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The show where people step on each other while they're trying to do a (laughs) trip. Welcome to Let's Rewatch, the show where we watch movies we loved in our youth and see if they're actually any good. I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. And I'm Ash. I was, I was very earnest. I'm Brett. <laughs> hey. How you kids doing? So, uh, this will I think this is going to be a weird episode because we're watching Say Anything, a movie that is that I love that is like so incredibly close to my heart that i am not the one who wanted to watch this movie i i didn't yeah, even I, guess... I didn't even propose it <laughs> and nobody else has seen the movie other than me correct correct, correct. Yeah. so ash you wanted to watch this movie why did you want to watch this movie yeah you, like so into um john, john cusack after we watched con air <laughs> oh you got yeah. the bug it's like no. a sack bug. John Not really. Sack. Ooh, huh? <laughs> oh, Ew, God, sack. gross. <laughs> Brad, take it back. Oh, take I it back. Sack. That sounds like a really weird porn, like a Japanese weird porn. Um, it sounds like it's... animal balls. Oh, yeah. Stop. <laughs> you said it. I didn't know. Yes, you did. We didn't know what I was doing. We could have just gone through this with the subtext. Yeah. We didn't need to make it literal. This is your fault. Uh, um uh yeah i just i've always wanted to see it i've definitely seen like the scene mm-hmm. you know that everyone's seen, seen the with the boom box and i've seen uh it's one of those scenes that you've seen parodied over and over and mm-hmm. over again um but it's it's also one of those movies where whenever i bring it up people are always like really passionate about it mm-hmm. who do have seen the movie and who do love it so it's one of those like weird movies where I just have I just missed it and I'd like to fill in that gap. <laughs> I wonder if you're like just remembering random conversations with me. Maybe. And all the people you feel Nick are passionate really about it were just likes me. this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I don't talk to anyone else but you, so <laughs> And movies are the only thing that I ever communicate about, so yeah, most most of your uh, most of the things you say are just lines from movies we haven't seen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which which uh, you may or may not recognize some from this movie. I was like the movie that we watched last night. You were like, "Oh, I didn't realize I was quoting this movie yeah. in a script." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it is a line that other people have taken sense and played around with and regurgitated. Mm-hmm. I just forgot it originated from that movie. Yeah, which line? Um. It was uh, in, in Royal Tenenbaums. He was talking about his book about Custer. And he's like, everybody believes that Custer died at Little Bighorn. But what my book presupposes is maybe he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I've got a version of that in one of the scripts that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Brett and Sam, you haven't seen Say Anything? No, I'm so excited. Do you have like- anything to say about the movie? Um, so I know the modern Easy A took a lot from Say Anything and 80s movies in general. So I'm expecting to get those references and I'm hoping... I haven't seen Easy A. (gasps) 
It's actually really good. It I seems like you're liking it. I thought Easy A was uh, an adaptation of a book. Like that's why she has the A. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's yeah, Scarlet Letter. It's it's not. No, it's not really an adaptation of Scarlet Letter, but she definitely pulls the the putting the A on her as like a a reference to the book. Yeah, it's a little it's a little bit like that, but uh, yeah, it's kind of more like a gag that's in the movie. Yeah, titled the movie after. Yeah, it feels more like a reference than like a modern retelling of the Scarlet Letter. Similar notes. Yeah. But I'm expecting it to kind of be like a cute love story with lots of awesome 80s-ness. Okay. That's that's where my expectations lie. Cool. I got nothing else on that. Oh, and the boombox, of course. I don't know. What, Brett, do you what do you know about this? I can't remember what it's what they're called, but there's like uh, there's a group of 80s movies that are always mentioned together and this is one of those movies. Yeah, there's there's definitely a John Cusack period of um, Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer, and and I believe those He's two in movies. Better Off Dead. Yeah, yeah. I've Am never seen that. that. Better Off Dead or Better Off Ted? Which one? Dead. Dead. Okay. Yeah. Better Off Ted was is a play on that. Yeah, that was. I feel I like to... this this movie and like is it is it like. Like The Breakfast Club? Because I really like The Breakfast Club. Yeah, I, you're right. I, I really like that that question, Brett. It's I'm going to say that if you take Better Off Dead and you draw a line to Breakfast Club, you'll pass this movie on that walk. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in that case, I have high hopes for it because, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's, it's uh, a lot of 80s movies really, really don't hold up. But I think... There's a reason why the, those those titles are so uh, fondly remembered, um, okay. and this is. But this is the one that we like. We haven't seen it, and it's the one I also hear the least about. Like people mock mm. that one scene, or you know, like do, re, re, redo it in modern media. But I don't like. It's weird that I don't know anything else about the movie, and maybe I do secretly and don't don't realize the references. But it is interesting. Well, so I, 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 if you'll indulge me in a, uh, uh, I take the opportunity to really fucking build this movie up. Oh boy! Because yeah. this, even though I didn't bring this to the table, I wasn't the one who who proposed it. It is very close to my heart. I love this movie. This is Cameron Crowe's first movie that he directed. Hmm. Of course, he wrote uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, uh, the book, and I believe he also wrote the screenplay. Um, but this was pretty hot on the heels, like Fast Times at Ridgemont High was pretty successful, and I think he was able to leverage that into actually directing his first movie. And as you all know, Almost Famous, directed by Cameron Crowe, is my favorite movie. Oh, yeah. I still haven't seen that one either. Yeah. I mean, it's not that old, but it might be worth doing in the podcast. Hmm. When was it? Released? I think it's that'd be fun. It's it's got to be at least ten years old, right? I thought it was like mid two thousands. Yeah, you're like you're, wow. It was two thousand. Oh, wow, yeah. so it's almost twenty years old. Yeah, so it's I mean, we've watched newer movies than that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, he directed Jerry Maguire, um, nineteen ninety six. Oh. Fairly well, not too close after this. So he's your boy. He's my boy. 
Uh, mm. Vanilla Sky, which was a remake of the Spanish film Open oh, yeah. Your Eyes. Mm-hmm. Both both versions of that movie are incredible. Um, you know, I think a lot of people dump on Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise like came, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Snooze. <laughs> he he is a really incredible actor in some stuff. And Vanilla Sky. Yeah, he's really he's good amazing. in that. Also, um, what was a P.T. Anderson movie? Magnolia. Magnolia. Tom mm-hmm. Cruise is amazing in that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, Cameron Crowe's done some incredible movies. Mm. Um, we're dealing with John Cusack, of course. Do you guys remember a year or two ago there was this thing people were doing on Facebook where you would post a picture of the three fictional characters that you most identified with? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So when I I did that, I had Abed from Community, mm-hmm. Uncle Traveling Matt from Fraggle Rock, <laughs> and Lloyd Dobler from Say Anything. Mm. So All right. And, and I mean, I've grown up since, but from a high school perspective, Lloyd Dobler is a person that I want to be. So, yeah, I mean, kind of take that into this and feel free to make fun of me for it. <laughs> um, a hopeless romantic? Yeah, and there's, there's a purity and a kindness to this character mm-hmm. that, that I aspire to. Hmm. So, yeah, Lloyd Dobler. Um, Ioni Sky is in this. She hasn't done much aside from this. Um, but we've talked a lot about John Mahoney when we watched Iron Giant. Most people remember him mm-hmm. as Fraser's dad. Oh, yeah. But I, I remember him as Diane's dad. Like, in, in some ways, this is John Mahoney's movie. Hmm. Well, I forgot he was in this, so now I'm extra excited. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's something special in this. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what we're up against. Like that's our main cast here. Um, there's a few other people. If you know, Lily Taylor, she's pretty cool. Uh, a young Jeremy Piven appears, um, but that's from the wild <laughs> in the bushes. There's an adolescent Jeremy Piven. He used acting. It was super effective. <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot. Um, uh, Joan Cusack is in this. Wow. His, oh. his sister. Oh. Yeah. Dude, she's, she's young here. You hear Sorry, that, Joan? Joan. We're Sorry. You out. I don't know. Sorry. So maybe people don't remember this so much as one of the core 80s movies because it was 89. So I guess oh. it's, it's 80s, but it's coming in at the end there. You know, maybe it's the, the punctuation at the end of the 80s. Hmm. the the slightly more mature end to the 80s this movie is turning 30 next year wow ouch Mm -hmm. old movies 30's not that old (laughs) (laughs) poor movies um so yeah and i guess we kind of got expectations um sounds like you guys are pretty optimistic It'll be interesting because I think some of you may hate it, and then oh no, who who do you think will hate it? Me? I I don't think. I mean, the rule goes that if you love a movie, I usually hate it. So well, it's not that like on its own, I expect you to hate it. I just feel like since I've now built it up, inevitably Mm. somebody's gonna hate it. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like you built it up too much. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, you weren't like, this is the most amazing movie. Yeah, and it's hard to say why I love it without saying what's in the movie. Mm. Yeah, so the, you didn't too. build it up too much. You just set like really high personal stakes. <laughs> yeah, for you. If, yeah. if you hate this movie, you basically hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe more so with Almost Famous, but yeah. Ooh, we got a problem. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Or maybe Brett's going to like hate this as a retaliatory measure for all the films he's chosen that I despise. This, I, I will have a hard time saying that this is the worst movie we've ever seen. Uh, but yeah, because that's preposterous. I'm looking forward to the opportunity, Nick. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Okay. I also feel like I'm a little bit on the line, like identifying a character that I aspire to be. And we'll see how much 80s high school is in this character. Wasn't that the same thing with, um, wasn't it like, uh, mall, was it not mall rats, uh, chasing Amy where you were like, Oh, I feel like I relate to this character. That I, okay. So that's an interesting conversation. Like I can, there's a difference between relating to an experience that a character goes through Mm. and like completely coming out saying i want to be that person Mm -hmm. you know to aspire to characteristics of that person yeah there's definitely stuff in chasing amy Mm -hmm. you know that that ring true yeah i don't want to be those guys those are gross guys (laughs) yeah right (laughs) yeah and and yeah, I, okay, I'm not going to say too much. Like, it's too I don't want to be Ben Affleck in life or as any of the roles <laughs> that he's played right. in real life or out. I don't know. Matt Murdock is a character you can aspire to, Daredevil. Oh, I don't think I ever actually saw that movie. Yeah. Wasn't it's he also on... in Goodwill Hunting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't remember it too well. I feel like he was a better person than Matt Damon's character. He, he was like a really nice supporting friend i thought yeah also argo he's pretty cool yeah argo's tough because it's like it's famous for being a true story that they tweaked to make a little too fanciful so Mm -hmm. i watch that movie i'm like the whole time i'm watching the movie i'm like is this real (laughs) (laughs) that's like the experience of watching argo Really? Is this real? That's interesting because I was I've been watching the Ron Howard masterclass for directing and he talks about how Apollo thirteen he took the exact opposite approach where he really, really tried to stay as accurate as possible, yeah. even in the set replication. Hmm. Like the pod yeah. that they're in is exactly except he said they gave themselves a little bit more space for cameras. Yeah. But like they they apparently got it so accurate that they had um NASA control people there to train the actors and yeah. one of the NASA control people like went to go to the bathroom and thought he was in Houston because it was so <laughs> accurate. It's the wrong turn trying yeah. to go to the toilet. I mean, That's if ever cool. yeah. there was a story, like a true story that hit the tension and the like the three act structure of a story that you want to tell, like the story of Apollo 13, just it's a movie waiting to be made. Mm-hmm. Well, also, like, I love movies that can do that without having a bad guy. You know? Oh, yeah, because the bad guy is more just the situations in that film. Yeah, like, the like my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> <I haven't seen. laughs> 
But there's I, no bad I think guy. people dump on Mars a little bit, but no, not Mars, the Martian. Mm. But one of the great things about the Martian was a tense story with no bad guy. Was yeah. it? I liked it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I appreciate the perspective of anybody who doesn't like the movie. Yeah. It's not perfect. Yeah. yeah it was but, it, it was great as long as you weren't on Earth or watching the last 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. So I was I was just looking at the poster on IMDb. This is the worst poster of all time. Oh my god, it really oh is. It looks like somebody made it in uh, Paint. Do you remember Microsoft it, Paint? And it says, "Say anything." A Lloyd meets girl story. Oh, a, <laughs> a what? A oh, Lloyd meets girl story because uh-huh. his name is Lloyd. Oh, so before you've seen the movie, you're really engaged with the character's name. Yeah. I just look into that as like an incredibly sexist thing. Like, <laughs> like he's yeah. not a boy, he's Lloyd. And then all the females are just girls. Like, yeah. Well, that's kind of like, I saw this interesting post on Twitter one time that was like talking about how women are dehumanized on movie posters. And you go through and you look at a bunch of movie posters and you see that a lot of times you don't see the woman's face or the woman isn't facing the camera. You know, you Mm -hmm. see the back of her head or you see her butt or you just you don't actually see the woman in so many cases. She's an object. I mean, add it to the list, right? Yeah. There's like a specific word for like only using parts of women on Mm -hmm. images. I don't remember what it is. It was really interesting. Because, like, even movies that I think aren't, like, intent, like, aren't intentionally doing it still do it. Like, uh, we watched Train to Busan, which is a fantastic movie. But you look at the cover of that movie and we see the back of that little girl's head. Like, she could have easily turned towards the camera. <laughs> you know, like, they, they did that intentionally to Maybe just focus on... Maybe she was just on... being grumpy on picture day. <laughs> Who isn't um, grumpy on picture day? Oh, wow, you're right. Yeah. Though we do see her face. Yeah. By the way, watch Train to Busan. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's one of the smartest movies I've ever seen, and it is about zombies. Yeah. (laughs) But we're not watching Train to Busan. (laughs) We're watching (laughs) Sadie. So, yeah, I think we've got our our expectations in place. Ready to dive in and check this thing out? Mischief managed. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're going to pause the recording. We're going to watch Say Anything, directed by Cameron Cameron Crowe. Cameron. 1989. (laughs) And uh, after the movie, we'll jump back on and see how we feel. In your eyes. Keep going. There's something in there. I am completely. Can I get it out, please? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I'm the backup drums. Nice. So, did you guys think that the boombox scene was the very end of the movie? Um, yeah. I guess so. Like, before we started, some of you were saying, I have a good idea of how this ends. Did you think that was how it was going to end? No. That was I, totally what I thought. Okay. I That's just, what I thought you thought. I just meant, like, I, I think it was Brett that said that, and I just assumed he meant, like, they're going to end up together, which uh, was my assumption. 
Okay. Which was, yeah. See, I thought you were saying that, oh, the iconic scene is clearly the end of the movie. That was definitely part of my assumption. Uh, Mm. But, yeah, I actually had the end of this confused with the end of a movie. Now I don't know what it is. It's... It's Easy A. It's the one. Because that's where how Easy A. It ends. ended with like one of these. Oh, that's Breakfast Club. No, that's oh. yeah. There's another one that frame. ended like that too. Yeah. That's definitely Breakfast Club too, though. Yeah. Yeah, he's oh. by himself. In this one, they're they're like on a tractor. Tr- they're like on a little car thing. So this oh. is great for audio, but for listeners, Brett was doing the fist pump thing. Oh yeah. That uh, Judd. The Judd, jump in the air fist pump. Judd, whatever does Freeze at the frame. end of Breakfast Club. I do got to say that the boombox scene was surprisingly underwhelming compared to oh. how I've seen it redone in every movie ever. Huh. Like, Is it because it was built up? It was to me. It was because the scene wasn't the scene that I thought it was mm. at all. Like, I that's the beauty mm-hmm. of this movie uh, for me. I guess so, but like the way, like it didn't even look like he was in front of her house. Yeah, it looked like he was just in a park somewhere, and I was like, "Does she?" I wasn't even sure if she actually was hearing the music or not. Yeah, I think that's an unfortunate scenario of the the filmmakers having to cheat the shot. Yeah, so literally so shot it in a park. It confused me because I was like, "Wait, does she hear him or no?" Mm. And I guess I guess I've just seen parodies of the scene, but I thought, like, I thought it took place during the day, and I have a memory of him sta- actually standing in her front, mm. you know, like lawn yeah. with the boom box, and her coming to the window and looking down, which I think is the better version of that scene actually well for me what movie is that because i know that shot yeah like haven't you seen that before that's but that's yeah that's a different movie and i don't know what it is your expectations of what that scene would be like there is a real beauty to this movie that it's that awkward uncomfortable overly emotional stupid teenage behavior and that he thought, this is the only thing I can do to really communicate with her how I feel. And it's not. He didn't get her back doing that because it's weird and stupid and awkward the way teenage life is. I mean, I I agree with you. I like that about this movie a yeah. lot. But I guess, and again, it's probably because I'm going into this with like, you know, I've already seen this, that one scene done over yeah. and over and over again. And so maybe I just had the wrong expectations, but the scene just didn't work for me because there were just so many things about like, number one, I couldn't even tell if she could hear the music or not. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know if she was actually hearing it and she did nothing, like, physically to make me think that she was hearing it. Like, if she took a pillow and put it over her ear or something, you know, yeah. like, something really showing that she's taking an action to choose to ignore it. Or, like, she goes and closes a window. Like, there was no action taken in the scene yeah. to communicate her making a choice or even acknowledging his existence. And then... Well, to a, to a certain extent, and, and you're not wrong, but there's, like... It just hard cuts to she's in the waiting room at the IRS office. That's the action, which is no action. When you're mm-hmm. expecting, like any other movie, she would come running out of the house. 
it's no, this is real life. It's just nothing. But, but I feel but like right, in real life, be... like, how does she even know that's him? Like the whole time I was like, yeah. is she just thinking her I, neighbors are playing oh, loud music? But that's the song that they were playing in the car when they spent the night together. Oh, I didn't so that catch song that. Is very important. Because that was the other yeah. thing that I was thinking was I was like, that song should like be connected to them. But I didn't catch yeah. that that was the same song. No. Yeah, they were a- they were asking the viewer to make a little bit of a leap there. But yeah, if you didn't particularly notice the song the first time, then that scene doesn't mean anything. I mean, she did call it out in that first scene, but I feel like it was the music was not mixed as clearly. I, I think that song would have been much more memorable in 1989. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, there's that awesome Peter Gabriel mm-hmm. song and oh, here it is again. Mm-hmm. But I do like the way the movie gives the audience, like it depends on the audience to draw connections. I love the Wurlitzer in the movie, the the fancy jukebox. Like at the dinner scene, he literally says, you know, it was a simple matter of $9,000. When she sees the IRS guy, he's like, do you have any high dollar items in the house? They're expensive, but not mm-hmm. too expensive. Does anything hover around $9,000? She cuts him off and you barely hear him say that. Next shot, she walks into the house and walks right by that Wurlitzer. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. depending on the audience to draw those connections. So I like when movies do that and give you a little bit of credit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I, I was, I, I uh, ex- exclaimed at that part of the movie to Sam, like, uh, her finding the money is not in itself an indictment of that he's a, a criminal. Like, we just found out scenes before they froze all of his accounts. All he has is cash. Yeah. They just proved he's Ron Swanson and he hates banks. Yeah, I kind of didn't feel like that whole plot line was super strong. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's like the core of it. It's. I know, I know it is. <laughs> you don't like it? Yeah. And it's it's a movie about, oh, you said something at the tail end, Ash, like, what is the pitch for this movie? Yeah, like, what do you tell because, the studio? Yeah. And I feel like it's a movie about a, a, a girl whose most important man in her life stops being her father and becomes her partner. And an overly dramatized way of doing that. You know what's and, weird? And so it did work for me. Is John Cusack is is presented to us as if he's the main character in the marketing and everything, but he's not the main character of you this think movie. Follows Diane. I think it's Diane. Totally. Yeah. yeah, totally agree. Like those, the first like thirty minutes of the movie is all her setup and like her talking to her dad and they're like showing how supportive he is and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really sweet. I really liked that. Yeah, this movie's not really about John Cusack no. at all. He doesn't have a character arc change, really. He starts out liking her, no. and he ends still liking her. And she is the one who has like a serious character arc and change in her life. So would you say that the tagline should have been, Girl Meets Lloyd? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or Diane Meets Boy Story? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you, it's funny because, like, as you're explaining that, uh, it, and I, I had a, a thought about this in a couple of places in the movie where it's just like the, it's Diane's story for sure, but it's totally the sort of sort of story that's usually framed with the genders swapped, you know. And it's like because uh, it, almost every every 
movie like that is like, oh, the guy's story falling for the girl chasing her. And like that happened in this, but it was totally her decision on like how to live her life. And it was kind of cool. Like, uh, I don't know. It seemed like a movie that totally fits uh, modern movie making uh, Mm. styles. Mm -hmm. But now could it be that we thought it was going to be a movie about a guy, but she was really the main character or could it be that, you know, uh, uh, unusually for the eighties, it really was a story that was about both of them and they had, it could be that too. And that was a bit unexpected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, even, even at that, the equal story prominence for both of them is, uh, notable. I mean, I guess you could make that argument as far as like how many independent scenes they have, but as far as his story goes, he doesn't, again, he doesn't really evolve, you know, like, well, she I mean, does. he has his, I think his story arc is the whole, like, deciding what he wants to do with his life, but he still doesn't really, yeah, he doesn't <laughs> I mean, change much. And I, yeah. I understand that is core to, you know, most good character arcs, but I'm okay with it in this case that he doesn't change because he's he's a pure soul. He goes on mm-hmm. a journey and he has setbacks and he does have conflict that he has to work through. Well, I guess but I'm not. He is kind of the same guy at the end as he was in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, not even just story arc wise. Like, like his story is literally just love story. Guy falls in love with girl. Mm-hmm. It's the basic romantic, you know story beats but her story is more complicated because she's got that and she's got the thing with her dad so like story-wise she's got more going on than he does which is why i'm saying i wouldn't say that they're equal weight there Uh, yeah i think uh, this might be the wrong archetype but like he's the muse in this for her yeah totally he's the free spirit saying Mm -hmm. it's like stop stressing about your life like just embrace the moment and she's the you know yeah her arc is learning so, to embrace that mm-hmm. is he the manic pixie dream girl totally <laughs> yeah i guess is that so. what that means yeah i mean that's that's the archetype right he was basically playing the manic pixie dream girl yeah i mean that's all he was this whole movie mm-hmm. which is like i mean it's not bad i thought he was a like a really great character like very funny uh and it's just like i said it's just weird to see yeah. it flipped like that well, you bring up it flipped. I also thought that they did an interesting thing where, like, they also flipped, like, his friends. Like, his friends could have easily been two guys, but instead they had two girls, and the girl was the classic guy at the party with a guitar, mm. you know? But instead of guy at the party with the guitar, they made it the girl. I thought that was interesting. So there's a lot of, like, sort of character reversal yeah. flips there. I, I loved his two friends' characters. They were so, like, tongue-in-cheek and hilarious. Mm-hmm. And, like, an otherwise really, like, grounded story, they were kind of the, like, yeah. extremes. With some real dark stuff that happened, like, what, a year before the movie. You know, they yeah. actually said she tried to kill herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and then she's like, I have all the all of the best advice, trust me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it is a fascinating experiment, you know, going back to a movie with some time in between that has so significantly defined who I want to be. 
and finding all of these clues to the structure of my personality in the movie. <laughs> and it, it's, it's fascinating. Like I talk about how much I want to be like Lloyd Dobler. And then I'm watching a movie noticing that every character in the movie is saying how great Lloyd Dobler was. <laughs> like they, everybody keeps repeating, Oh, you're such a great person. Do you need person. us to tell you you're a good person more often, Nick? No, I'm actually wondering, was I so enamored with this character because, oh, because everybody in the movie told me that he's a great guy. Like that movie trick where like the main character walks through the room and everyone looks at them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, that's so, so that you know where to focus. Like that's literally a trick that we use on the reality TV show. I work on <laughs> is If you want the audience to perceive that a character is cool or is a good person, you never have the character themselves tell the audience that. You have everyone else tell the audience that that person is cool and a good person. You have Alabama say, you're so cool. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because if you hear the other person, like if you hear the actual person like nobody actually wants to hear somebody then talk about themselves. Yeah, exactly. You've got Job <laughs> because they're telling you how awesome they are and you instantly don't believe them. And you also had this party scene, you know, the guy was like, "How did you get Diane Court to go out with you?" And he says, "How did that work? What are you?" And he says, "I'm Lloyd Dobler." Mm-hmm. You know, it's <laughs> like I'm Batman. You know, there were lots of little bits like that or like this random guy walking through the party and sees her and he's like, "Lloyd Dobler." All right. Like, this movie is engineered to make you fall in love with that character. Mm -hmm. Now, I still maintain that there's a lot to aspire to in that character. It's just interesting to see that. Like, was I I manipulated here? Yes. I like how he's so relatable. Like, he's just... There's nothing that special about him except for the fact that he always does the right thing. He's completely honest... Yeah. hundred percent yeah. honest and, and not only kind to, but really fun with the kids. Yeah. You know, like it, it's just really cool to see in a movie like where most of the plot points revolve around somebody doing the wrong thing, you know, like, oh, they messed up and didn't tell the truth. And now the lie spiraled out of control. And like, that's very much not the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it feels very honest and earnest because of that. Except for the dad character. That is his story. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. But. I love that. But from. That whole speech he does where it's, you know, what do you want to do? And he's like, I don't want to buy, process, or sell anything. I don't want to sell anything that has been processed or bought. Like, but the way he ends it, I wrote down so many things. The, he just finishes oh, with. I love that line I don't too. know. I can't figure it all out tonight. So I'm just going to spend as much time as I can with your daughter. Mm-hmm. Just that purity and that focus. And he he knows what he doesn't know about the world, but he really knows what he does know. Mm-hmm. And it's we such were... a like teenage response to be like, I want to rebel against all of these things, but I don't know exactly what I want to do. But I just know I don't want to do those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, I don't know. I don't know, but I know that I don't know. Mm-hmm. God, I love that. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, we were watching that scene and Sam was uh, going like, that was actually like a pretty good answer to all the questions he was asked. Yeah. And like, uh, what did you say? Like, they're, they're the ones making it awkward. Mm-hmm. Like everyone at the yeah. table. Yeah. 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 And that whole dinner scene, like they kept asking him like really personal, tough questions for a first interaction. And he like answers honestly. And they're 
everyone else at the dinner party is like, oh. And they made it totally awkward yeah, for this poor kid. He's 19. Like, it's what? okay that he doesn't know what he wants to do. Yeah. It's okay that like, she does, but it's okay yeah. that he doesn't. And this is the one most important thing in his life. And that's a valid answer. Mm-hmm. And he also was just like, also, I'm an undefeated kickboxer and no one fucking batted an eye. They're like, what? Like, why don't you guys care about that? That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it was a new sport, Brett. Nobody knew about it. Future. He he also says that he like hasn't done a lot of matches, so he like no, undermined himself. What at the he same doesn't time. say is I'm going to be world champion kickboxer. He says yeah. I don't know. I this is something that I really enjoy, and I don't know if I'm going to be good at it. Mm-hmm. I need to get some fights under my belt first. I haven't been knocked out yet. You know, it's still a really good answer. Mm-hmm. He actually said he's never been knocked down and then we get that scene later where she shows up and that's what gets him kicked in the face that's funny another i mean there's so many beautiful beautiful moments and i love i mean it's it's all about how you film it you know she says she needs him and he says just answer me one question do you need somebody or do you need me pause camera doesn't move we don't swing around to the angle of her reaction we just sit on him and then you know what? I don't care. And then he grabs her. I kind of hated that moment. I love that. <sighs> I love it. Not, yeah. not because he made the right choice. Not because that. But was, he didn't make the right choice. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like it's not that. I'm not saying he made the right choice. I'm saying that is a pure emotion that that 19 year old kid would have gone through. Those are mm-hmm. the steps rolling in his head. The you know what? I I need this so bad. I don't care. Like, if you are just using me for this comfort in the time of tragedy, I just need this. Which totally ties him in with his, that his like suicide friend group. Like, yeah, yeah. The, that's totally the same behavior. It's yeah. just like this is a bad decision for me emotionally, but I need it now, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's stupid, irrational, messy nineteen-year-old bullshit. And that's mm-hmm. that's what's so great about this movie. I mean, I do think I've never quite seen the teenage experience captured so realistically, except oh, yeah. for the fact that they're like going out until like six a.m. Yeah. in the morning. I don't believe that. that and one I don't bit. believe that was the like only that part. Just outside of movies. Yeah. Okay. okay. Brett, did you go? Clearly, Brett had this experience. Oh, did you have those parties? I mean, I don't know about the parties, but like, fuck, I was out till like three or four a.m. A lot of nights, guys. Okay. But Brett was cool. But, like, everybody. you know, the, it's yeah. here's the difference. Are, do kids stay out till 3 or 4 a.m.? Yes. Are their parents okay with it? No. Oh, no. And he, <laughs> the, that's the part that I didn't believe is, like, he's telling the dad, he's picking her up at 8 p.m., and he's telling her she'll be perfectly safe with me for the next seven to eight hours. And as yeah. the dad, I'd be like, what? <laughs> Excuse yeah, Sam me? Sam flipped out at that, too. Yeah, like that but, part I didn't find believable, but but I think the way they kind of sold that for me was with her and her dad's relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they're very honest. She promises to call, she does. She talks to the other girls at the party and they're like, "Wait, did you actually call your dad? Mm-hmm. I can't believe he made you do that." And they're like, "We always just show up at home and be really quiet so they don't realize that we got back." And you kind of get this like vibe of you know this is an unusual thing for her and it's you know the grad night yeah experience even though it's a someone's house party 
and then, but then it keeps happening throughout the film. Yeah. Her dad is increasingly not okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. But she's also 19 at that point. I, I think because of how it started out with that party and it started out with that trust between her and her dad, it made the heartbreak of his betrayal so much worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, but, but you trusted each other. Like you, you had this great relationship and it was all a lie. Like I stood up in court five years ago and chose you. Uh, yeah. And it's just such an intense relationship there. But anyway, the, the like teenage experience definitely, yeah. you know, like them ending up at Seven Eleven <laughs> is so accurate, yeah. you know, like, I mean, for sure. This movie is like the first year of mine and Brett's relationship, 100%. Teaching you how to drive manual? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, Brett taught both Sam and I how to do that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, I tried yeah. to teach you. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that day did not end well. No, it didn't. We pop, popped two tires on my Saturn and then had to get rescued by... Um, Sean. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. Like Brett did. He was teaching me how to drive a stick shift. Like we were hanging out in the car, going to seven 11, getting coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or even like, there's a moment after, I think it's the first night that they hang out. And at the end she goes to hug him and he thinks she's going in for a kiss. So he kind of does this awkward thing and then hugs her. It's very and subtle. And the way she just kind of really dove in for that hug. It's yeah. just so messy. Yeah, and like, or just like how how they're standing around talking at the end of the party and some crazy dude just comes in and tackles him. Like, that's such a teenage thing to do. Or the... And it also shows that everybody loves him. Mm-hmm. Another example. Mm-hmm. But what was the... Oh, I was just going to say the other one was, like, the kids that start, like, beatboxing a song about him. Like, just, like, the way these kids behaved and, like, even just... Because I remember, you know, when you're a teenager, you think that the love that you're experiencing is the truest, you know. Like, I'm in love. No one can understand. And your hormones are going crazy. And, like, you feel things, I think, way deeper than you do as an adult. But at the same time... It's also like, yeah, but you're just a teenager, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like you're just, you know, it's, you're a little overreacting because of your hormones. You don't quite realize it yet, but mm-hmm. you're not actually in love I, I, <laughs> or I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and it, it feeds back to, I think we've talked about this before on this podcast, but Cameron Crowe's deal, like he, he was you know, in his early 20s, or maybe he was like 18, and bullshitted his way into a staff job with Rolling Stone magazine, convincing mm. him that he was an adult. Then later, when he decided oh, to... Right. yeah. When he wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont High, he's like 25 years old, and convinced them to let him go to high school disguised as a 17-year-old. And that's how he learned about these kids to write oh, fast times. Wow. So this is a guy yeah. at age 25 to 30 who had just finished living amongst real teenagers mm-hmm. with a more mature mind and with a writer's mind. Yeah. And I think that informs why he is so good at capturing these teenagers. Definitely. Yeah. Because like even even the friend, the songwriter friend, you know, it's just 
I don't know. I, I knew a girl like her that yeah. like went through a breakup with a guy and like she totally had that whole vibe about her like, oh, I know everything now and I'm a wiser person now or whatever. And it's it's just sort of like it's funny how you think that when you're, a t- you know, you're a teenager and you think that you're so experienced and knowledge and you think you know what you want and all this stuff. But like. You kind of don't actually at the same time because it's just part of being a teenager. Like I think you I think the hormones make you feel like you experience things much more intensely. But I think what this movie does is it respects the people of that age. Yeah. As an adult, it's easy to say you think this is important, but it isn't. Mm -hmm. But the, the truth of that, I believe, is it is important. Mm-hmm. These are the most important things in those people's lives. Mm-hmm. And some storytellers would trivialize it and throw it through a lens of an adult recognizing how unimportant it is. But this movie puts it through the lens of really genuinely investing in how important it really is. Yeah, definitely. And I think messy. she <laughs> I think she calls that out too. like the main character. She's like, oh, I, I can't be in love yet. Like, no, like th- we're just friends. Like, mm-hmm. you know. I think that's also her filtering stuff her dad's been telling her yeah, for years. Yeah, I think. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking that kind of reminded me of uh, the most recent example of a uh, flippant teenage behavior movie thing we saw, which was in uh, Jumanji, which I loved. Uh, but they totally made a whole, you know, that one, the the vapid girl with her phone oh yeah the remake Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh but like you know fucking kids live on their phones and like the Mm -hmm. stuff that happens on the internet is super real uh and uh it would it would it's interesting because i don't think there's been like a modern version of uh that kind of storytelling Mm. i i would say perks of being a wallflower came close I haven't seen and that. a lot of people thought it would be like a revival of Breakfast Club, and I think it's much more like a modern retelling of say anything and maybe that stuff is out there, and we haven't seen it mm-hmm. like I've seen my nieces watch stuff on like I don't know if it's Disney Channel, but some of these young adult you know teenage you know almost sitcom sort of shows that teenage girls yeah. watch. And and it's totally full of that stuff, but it's that shiny, goofy Disney Channel mm-hmm. storytelling. It's not yeah. like a real movie. No. You know, I always feel like the best bad guys, and we've talked about this, the best bad guys, you sympathize with them. And, you know, I can absolutely understand John Mahoney feeling that I'm not stealing from these people. I made them extremely happy. They've passed on. They would want me to have this money that they've left behind. Like, I completely, I I don't think he's doing the right thing, but I can understand that motivation and how he can feel and how he would have kept that secret forever Mm-hmm. And felt perfectly fine about it if she'd never oh, found Oh, yeah. It. He was one step yeah. away from being a real-life serial killer. Because that's actually a scam that this these two women who were serial oh, like killers ran. kill the old people. They would kill the, the old people yeah. and then collect their money after they'd convinced the old people to sign everything yeah. over to them. But I do believe this character truly does care about those old people. He is mm-hmm. truly taking care of them. And I would bet he did that job for 10 years. 
I think he's mentions he fifteen, that. doesn't he? Well, I mean, I, I bet he did that job for like ten years before oh. he decided. You right. know, it is okay for me to take their money if their families are gone and gotcha, they've yeah. passed. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, look, I mean, my family went through kind of a, one of those where, uh, you know, these people, if they if they die unprepared, the money goes to the state. And depending on how, yeah. you know, how much you really care about whether or not the state gets the money, yeah. like, there's nothing wrong with taking the money, they, you they know. They were taken care of. <laughs> That's literally yeah. the plot of a Parks and Rec episode. Yeah. They convince Ron to like uh, get a will because they're like, you know, if you don't, your money goes to the state. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I Did you notice that the big graduation party was thrown by Eric Stoltz's character from Pulp Fiction? Nope. <laughs> like Eric Stoltz in this movie, 100% was Eric Stoltz in Pulp Fiction. The, l- Which one was Eric Stoltz in Pulp Fiction? The whole scene where they, I think uh, uh, John Travolta takes Uma Thurman to the drug dealer and it's Eric Stoltz. He's like wearing the bathrobe. Oh. She ODs oh. and he has to get the morphine shot. Uh-huh. Like that was like the same dude throwing this party. Same house. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> hmm. Like I could see. Like, is he the older like college dude who just throws parties for yeah, the high school? Yeah, I think that's what they said. Yeah, yeah. I I would believe you if you said oh. that this character grew up to be the guy in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Yep. Also, Heather, Heather one was at the party. Oh, the girl with the quotey fingers. Like she talked with the uh, quotation. Was the first fingers? person who approached. Yeah. Diane, I don't remember. Yeah. The Diane, you made me better you, what by are you forcing me to here? study. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, she looked familiar. Yeah, she was Heather one. Did they have numbers? I don't remember. I don't yeah. She was the main Heather. Yeah. The one that died? Wow. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You mean committed suicide? Yeah. <laughs> the most important choice a teenager can make is whether to commit suicide. No. Stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Such a terrible movie. It's, it's actually weird to compare, like, how just weird and off-base everything in Heather's was with, like, how connected with... Like we, you were saying, the teen teen culture that this yeah, movie is totally they're they're the polar opposites for sure. Was this was this movie because Heather's was obviously trying to say something, even if it was flippant. Uh, they, you know, the we were talking about the writers just being too in love with what they were writing. Uh, but this movie, either I don't know if they were trying to say something. Like outright and more just trying to convey a real experience. And yes. it felt every moment was just so much more impactful because of that. Yes. I don't totally. know that there's a lesson as much as an experience. This this process of when your father is the most important person in your life transitioning to when your partner is the most important person in your life. I think that's a core experience. The, the yeah. wide-eyed optimist having the first love is is unexperienced to go along with. I don't know that there's lessons to be taken from this, except mm-hmm. if there's a lesson, it's, hey, adults, this is a significant thing for people to go through and cut them some slack. But mm-hmm. aside from that, yeah. I don't think there's like a call to action here. It had, uh, I noticed it had not exactly the same, but a very similar ending to, um, fuck, is it The Graduate? 
the graduate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, a little bit, yeah. But this was like the optimistic version of that instead of the super, super yeah. depressing version. Yeah. I love this ending so much. Just if we see that ding, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I just, I so adore how invested he is and how nervous and uncomfortable she is. And he's going to do everything he can to help her. Like he becomes nervous and agitated because he's so invested in how she's feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then just second ding movies over. Everything's going to be fine. It was just so honest. I don't know. I'm the mm-hmm. distraction like... that's going to England with her, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that is the, that's the pinnacle of you are no longer the most important person in her life. I'm the distraction that's going with her to England. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that the only heavy handed moment in the whole film was giving her dad the pen. Yeah. yeah. I was like, which mm. I found myself thinking like, Oh, it would be so ironic if Lloyd gives him the pen, but then I'm like, Oh, he can't give him a pen. Uh, They're in a prison. It's a contraband. <laughs> it's a weapon, you know? And then it and she totally did. <laughs> Well, Diane walked in after they announced visiting hours were over, too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. Someone's just breaking the rules. Yeah. God, but I love that. It's like, does it get any better? It does. If she signed it, I will always love you. And he's like, doesn't it, doesn't it just make you feel better that the ver- a version like that exists? Mm-hmm. Like, he's yeah. trying. Even after he's the defeated bad guy on the ground, defeated. He's still trying to help him, still trying to make that guy feel better. Yeah. He doesn't mm-hmm. want that guy to feel the despair that he's feeling. God, Lloyd Dobler is the best. There, he, didn't he have a similar line earlier in the film about that, too? The Just because it exists? About his letter to her. Yeah. He's like, it kills me to know that it, it exists, so oh, can you rip it up? Yeah. Diane said something in the film that really resonated with me because it's actually, like, something... I've noticed in my life is she says, um, let me see what she said. Good things happen with the bad. So Mm. it's just sort of, you know, it sounds like superstitious nonsense, but it's something that I've personally noticed in my life is when, when, whenever something really, really good happens to me, something really, really bad will then happen Mm. soon after to like balance it out in this weird way. But it's just, it's something that I have always noticed that I've never heard anyone else say out loud. And so I was like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. I couldn't help but notice in that scene that it was true for her and not true for him. Mm. And he was having a hard time hearing it. It was true for him, though, because he just got this good thing, her, and now he's losing it. So he was getting good and bad at the same time. She said that before the breakup. Mm -hmm. It may have been moments before the breakup, but still, he was... He was confused and he wasn't hearing it because it didn't resonate with him the way it did with her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like how that whole breakup, he's trying to like understand it and then he's trying to diffuse it. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like, this is so difficult. And he's just, don't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's really powerful. I, I wasn't expecting this movie to be so kind of genuine. Mm. I think I was expecting. Yeah, no, not, I mean, it is serious, but it's, it's lighthearted too, but like not in the way that like breakfast club is, you Mm -hmm. know, like that would never really happen. Like this feels like, like a 
little snapshot into real people's yeah. real lives. And that definitely took me by surprise. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this was inspired by real people. It felt especially real from me because that's like the age that Brett and I met. And, you know, like it worked out for us. And like, I remember being that young and being like, it, this this can't be real. Like, no, I don't really feel this way. <laughs> and every about Brett, you know, this this guy that I ended up sticking with for 13 years now and been married to, like, you know. You can think, say anything to him. I think yeah. you guys have the unusual experience, you know, well, the rare situation, I think. No, definitely. Yeah, it's not uh, the common thing. Because I, I, none of my boyfriends were like like John Cusack in right. high school, you know, like they, they were all, all like my relationships were more like the guitar girl with the dude that she broke up with, you know, like it's, it was more like, you know, nobody treated me nicely like that mm. until later on. So I think it's most of the time, basically teenagers are awful. So <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm saying is most of the time, you know, and it, it's because they don't know what they want. And they don't exactly know. They think they do, but they're not quite sure. And the hormone thing, you know. I think most of the time that's what happens is they get in their own way because of that. I mean, I did when I was a teenager, for sure. Yeah, it's all... Stupid shit. It's all a gross mess. Yeah. It's, It's like, it goes back to what you were saying, Nick, where, like, it's definitely real for them. Because, you know, they're really experiencing it and feeling it. But it's hard to explain to somebody at that age that, like, this is just your crazy hormones making you feel, mm. like, extra emotional. And you won't realize that until, like, ten years later, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, nobody nobody wants the same things that they wanted in high school. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a subtext to what you're saying that I hate. <laughs> Which is, it sounds like you're suggesting that Lloyd Dobler and Diane Court are not still together today. I, yeah. I, I think I, it, I refuse to believe that. It would be highly unlikely yep. is what I'm saying. They're in love forever. <laughs> no, I think they're in love forever. Like They got the ding. I don't know. Well, you know, he's no, I, like, I know what you're she's saying. not going to go and fall in love with some Englishman. Yeah. Come on. And, her, and the dad's like, well, I mean... That's probably what was Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> what I was thinking, too. I mean, you know, it's possible that they could still be together, but, you know, it's... I think the message of the film isn't necessarily, like, they're together forever. I think the message of the film is, like, they're allowing each other to go down this path, and they're yeah. not really invested in worrying about where the path leads. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. So I, it doesn't really matter if they end up together forever or not. But It's okay, Nick. It matters to me, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so ultimately, did you guys like this movie? I really, really liked this movie. I, I'm surprised because I, I didn't think I would dislike it, but I didn't think I would, like, f- I feel like I fell in love with this movie which is not at all how I thought I would feel. Like, 
this movie feels like like I knew it before I watched it, which is funny because it, it's just so like honest and relatable for me. It charmed but you. But not Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's like it was more serious than I was expecting. But not like heavy-handedly, you know. So, yeah, I really loved it. Nice. Bread. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, it's as as serious that doesn't happen in anymore uh which is emotionally serious yeah you have to check out perks of being a wallflower okay i will maybe but like i it's just something that i haven't seen in a long time everything's serious but not because anyone's feeling anything yeah every movie now is extremely serious and dramatic or completely off the wall funny yeah yeah, uh, there's no realism but, uh, in between. I think, yeah, I'm on Sam's side here, your side, I guess, uh, probably, which is, I, I loved this. This was a great movie. Um, Cusack had a lot of uh, fantastic lines, and um, there's that element of... Uh, now now that, I, now that, that we brought it out, uh, the Manic Pixie Dream guy... Uh, yeah. That you aspire to be. Um. <laughs> Did anybody else think that he was just like the nicer version of Mac from? No, it's always sunny in I, Philadelphia. I think the, the kickboxing with the kid got yeah. that. And sure, but no, I like that. No, oh, I mean, his relationship with that kid was so cute. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, Lloyd it was adorable. All about truth. And Mac is all about self-deception. Well, that's why I said he's the nicer. If Mac was a good person. That he you, would be have, John. He's enlightened Mac. You yeah. gotta take a long voyage to make Mac a good person. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I'm just saying he's got yeah. like that awkwardness that Mac has and like enthusiasm. He seems like the kind of guy who would who would make one of those posters of the of the arm inviting you to to the party. That yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I realized something else. We were saying I think maybe if you drew a line from Better Off Dead to breakfast club you would pass this movie on the way but on the way to this movie when you're almost there you walk by ferris bueller Uh, right yeah i see ferris bueller is on the path to this it's still outrageous and funny how i don't see that at all because you've got some real true human problems that these people are dealing with like i look at cameron and the drama he has mm. with his father. Oh, yeah. And I see, I see, if Cameron's father had not tortured him, Cameron mm. would have been Lloyd. Hmm. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Fer- Ferris Bueller is like a, 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 outside of the fun bits, a movie about deep anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This movie kind of was too, but like in, in yeah, in a different way. I feel like the, there's a like a political spectrum of '80s movies, you know. And there's like, <laughs> there's well, there's like Ferris Bueller on one end, and then there's like this movie on the other, and then like in the middle is Breakfast Club. You know how they have like that '80s funness, like mm. I don't want to say camp because it's not camp. I. I don't know how to describe it. And I think that's what I was expecting more yeah. from this movie and surprised 
at how grounded it was. But while Breakfast Club does more crazy comic stuff, it also does deeper drama stuff than this movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know what Christmas is like yep. at the Bender House? I mean, that's some dark yeah. stuff in Breakfast Club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. I feel like they didn't deal with the darkest part of this movie, though. Which is? Which was this girl that tried to commit suicide yeah. and, like... I think the movie might have been better had they not thrown that in. Yeah, like, it just sort of... It makes sorta... you wonder, like, whoa, what's up with that? But it also is so accurate to the teenage experience. Right. So, yeah. like, if it's thrown in there for that, sure, but... It's they like, just didn't really ever even broach the subject of dealing with that. There was a, a, one of the seasons of Downton Abbey where something happens and people who've seen it will know and people who haven't seen it, I'm not going to say. But like when this thing happens, it's like, well, fuck you. Don't cut to other characters. I don't give a shit what's happening with any other character right now. You know, it's almost offensive that you're going anywhere other than this topic. And to throw a grenade like that into a party scene in this movie, it's like, <laughs> yeah. whoa, don't cut to something else in the party. We're dealing with something intense here. <laughs> yeah, but they super redeemed it with her, with their confrontation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really like the way they handled that. How yeah. she just said goodbye to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how brutally self-centered that dude is. Uh huh. Like he totally. said, "Why do you think I keep her tapes? They'll be valuable one day." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you mean when like, she gets a little bit famous and dies? Is no, that what you're describing? he just meant when she gets famous because she's a good singer songwriter. I don't know. That guy. Was I don't so think shallow. he meant. But he was such a teenage boy. Yeah. Like that's. You know. I don't know what the percentage is, but those those teenage boys exist. Yeah, those people are real. Yeah. yeah. So, Ash, what do you think of it? Uh, I feel like I'm going to break your heart here, but it wasn't my favorite film. Well, it's uh, not a surprise. <laughs> I I really appreciate, and I can I can appreciate what the film is doing, as far as like the real, you know, I like the realism of the teenage experience. But I didn't really like Diane. John Cusack, I think, gave... Honestly, I think this is the best performance I've ever seen him give. I think it was great. He was great. I don't like Diane. I feel like she humble brags a lot (laughs) in this movie. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I feel like she goes around pretending like she doesn't think she's better than everyone else. But she kind of does. And... I don't know. I just, I I didn't really like her and I didn't really like this whole plot about the dad with the taxes and everything. It just felt. (laughs) That's like the whole story. I know. I didn't, I, (laughs) I was kind of disappointed by the story, I guess. I was hoping. Iron Man was good. I didn't like that part with the Iron Man. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was hoping for more story, a more interesting story. I don't know. I mean, I like the idea of there being a conflict between her and her father, but like this conflict about his business seems so beyond what like a teenage girl could really comprehend and understand. I don't know. I just, hmm. it didn't, I felt like the conflict should have been something a little bit more dramatic and visual 
and instead it it wasn't. It's like literally here's here's the paperwork proving, you know, like yeah. and But that's uh, how the real world would roll out. Not yeah. necessarily. I, there can be so, conflict between her and her father and it could be something different. Sure. Is what I'm saying. She also didn't seem to comprehend what was going on. Yeah, I don't either. feel like she like, did. Yeah. She was mad at him. I just I love when she goes into Philip Baker Hall's office and she's like, you know, I, I I tried to wear this dress. I tried to look, you know, appropriate. So can you just tell me what's going on? And that stark wake up call where he's like, We have the evidence and this is going to get worse. And her inability to parse that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's so far yeah. from what she expected. Yeah. I, don't know. I, I thought it was just like a really cool way to flip his character, yeah. but still keep his core the same. You know, like at his core, he's a loving, supportive father who made a really bad decision. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but he made that decision for his daughter. Sure. I just think it's a boring story plot device. Yeah. Um, taxes are boring. That, I don't know is, what else to say. Like being audited this is movie tax. Dad. Yeah, being audited is like the most boringest plot movie plot point you could choose. But um, but I like. I mean, they them. made them look like thugs at the door. Ash, what more could you want? <laughs> right. I like they carry guns. <laughs> I know who and like would the I would they show up at your doorstep like at, no? I feel like no. If they were there to arrest you, maybe, but like that was not the case. See, even that, like, they could have made them feel more threatening if if we saw them sort of invading on his, like, like for example, my parents, um, you know, they had tax problems too, and it was a constant hounding of of like you know people would call and leave messages, and you know I feel like there could have been more of an invasion into their life. It just didn't feel. Like, there was that much of an invasion until he was in prison. I guess that's, like, my political commentary note is, like, man, white-collar crime, the police treat you real nice. Yeah, exactly. Like, Mm. they didn't really do I'm having a dinner party. Can you arrest me later, please? (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. We'll be back during your office hours. Like, I just like the, the chain of events where she is on his side every step of the way. Like, why would she ever doubt him? And if it was just stormtroopers kicking down the door, then immediately it would be like, is he innocent or is he guilty? Like most of the movie, it's like, well, obviously he's innocent. I don't know. I think she still the- would have yeah. sympathized with her father. I think she, they, like Sam said, they set up a pretty strong bond in the beginning. Um, but I don't know. I, and that would have been more interesting to see her have to come across more hurdles with this more like, and each time her maybe losing a little a little more faith you know instead of it just being one scene and suddenly she's flipped but um but i don't know i i think there's a lot of good stuff in this film too you know i think there's a lot of subtle details that are really great and realistic but it's just not really my favorite thing i felt kind of disappointed by that boombox scene to be honest well i think that's that's all a fair reaction Mm -hmm. and you know, and stuff that I completely disagree with and come down on the other side. Like, I feel like all of that worked. Like, even with the time that has passed, I'm still completely invested in all of that. Mm-hmm. The groundedness it's, and the realism. It's just a shock. 
f- from I think our perspective, having only seen the filtered version of yeah. that, yeah. where it's almost always displayed as a romantic yes, thing. Totally. And in this movie, it was not. not. Yeah. 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 It wasn't the movie version of a movie. It was a real life version of a movie. Yeah, totally. It's the, so the, weird how it's been twisted, though. You would not see the trailer for this movie in front of Tropic Thunder. Uh-huh. Right? Like, those right. trailers in front of Tropic Thunder are, like, movie the movie, you know? This is, like, real life the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I love yeah. about it. And, and with the passage of time, it's interesting to see the things that have significantly influenced my character. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've always wanted to have one of those restored Wurlitzer jukeboxes. And then I'm watching this movie, I'm like, Fuck, that's where that came from. Yeah. You know, there's lots of little <laughs> things in this movie that's like the construction of my brain. Like, damn, I want to commit tax fraud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's 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 how I feel about it. So that was Say Anything. Yeah, uh, if you like the show, this is part of the Last Dash TV network of content. It's the podcast and a YouTube channel with a cooking show, a drinking show, uh, video game parodies, and a lot of other fun stuff. Yeah, and we also have a, a Twitter. You can follow us at Laugh TV on Twitter, or you can follow uh, this podcast. We're at Let's Rewatch, where we do fun stuff like movie polls, and I'll post the movie. Like, a, if we don't do a movie poll, um, I'll post a screenshot of the movie, and I have to apologize this time because I guess my screenshot was way too hard. Uh, but nobody get. I, we got lots of guesses. I mean, that's the game, right? Like it is the game. It's not that you did anything wrong. That like finally. Well, sometimes I feel like I post. They're too easy because people get them right away. So this time I posted a picture of the little kids practicing karate, and I think it really threw everyone off because everybody was sending me karate movie suggestions or Rocky, or Karate Kid. Karate Kid was one, and unfortunately, I was like. Okay, you're focusing too much on the karate. It's not even karate. It's <laughs> kickboxing, sport of the future. Yeah. Um, sport of the 80s future. So sorry about that, I guess. Nobody got got this one right. Well, good job, everyone. Oh, I have a line. Um, I... Yeah. <laughs> so if you liked our podcast, please give us a positive review on Google Play Music, iTunes, or Spotify. We really like your feedback. And make sure your podcast feeds are up to date and tell your friends we'll be doing this again in another two weeks for more Let's Rewatch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so next week, uh, you know, we've been hearing a lot about Russia in the news. We're going uh, gonna to watch Putin's Kiss. Ew. God. Why does that sound so gross? <laughs> it's like the grossest possible.